This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show, and I look forward to doing the show with you every Sunday morning here in Kansas City. Our shows are rebroadcast throughout the country, a number of stations, and it's one of the only sports psychology shows in the country as we delve into your mind, your attitude, focus, concentration, building confidence, destroying confidence. I've been fortunate enough to be on the radio in Kansas City for 29 years, the last 19 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And I really enjoy doing this show every week because we delve into the mental side of sports. And we get into all kinds of things about concentration, attitude development, team building, all that type of stuff. And I've been in practice for 39 years working with athletes throughout the country. I've worked with the Olympic team, with professional teams, college teams. And I try to share my experience with you as we delve into different topics each week on this show. Today I want to get into something that we all have to deal with. How to fail, how to lose, how to overcome it, how to respond to it, how to bounce back from it. It's something, if you play a sport, you will fail. You will lose. You will make a mistake. The question is, how do you overcome it? How do you bounce back from it? How do you deal with it? It's something I've had to deal with throughout my entire life as an athlete, but also in my work because, let's face it, you know, in any athletic season, there's going to be one individual or one team who, at the end of the year, who will be in first place, and everybody else will have lost depending on how you look at it. So what is losing? What does it really mean? What is failure in sports? You know, when I see new clients in my office each week, I'll ask them three definitions the first session. I like to get their definition of winning. I like to get their definition of losing. And I like to get their definition of self-confidence. What do those things mean? Usually they'll say winning most often is coming in for first place, beating everybody else. Usually what I get about losing is you screwed up, you failed, you didn't win, you came in last place. And self-confidence, typically everybody says, is the ability to believe in yourself. Then we'll talk about it. I'll go, well, to me, winning is not necessarily about coming in first place. Winning is, did you accomplish your goals? Did you improve? Did you get better? Because let's face it, when you play sports in the NCAA tournaments, and AI tournaments, all the basketball tournaments are about to start here in the next couple of weeks. And in about a month, we'll be crowning the champions of all these different competitions. One team will end up in first place. 
But does that mean that the other teams weren't successful, didn't win along the way, weren't winners, didn't improve? And when it comes to youth sports, which if you listen to this show, you know it's one of my passions, is dealing with kids. When it comes to youth sports, how do we teach kids how to fail? Do you really teach that? You know, our book, Just Let Them Play, that I co-authored with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone, or Guiding Parents and Athletes for Youth Sports, our third chapter, is entitled, Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. Because one of the things we've talked about in, in, in our discussions about writing the book with our uh, writer, Matt Folks, we, we discussed this at length about losing and about why kids don't really learn how to lose they're berated, they're defeated, they're insulted, they're told how bad they are. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're learning sports, you're going to fail, you're going to screw up. And it, instead of being yelled at and screamed at and degraded, why not being coached about what you did wrong and how you can improve it the next time? I received an email this week about my show, which I'd like to read to you. And I think it encompasses why I wanted to bring this up today, as well as some other <coughs> Conversations I've had with some clients this week. Hello, Dr. Jacobs. I've only started listening to your Sunday radio program on A10WHB about a year ago. However, in that time, it has tremendously it has had a tremendously positive impact on me. In a very encouraging, non-judgmental manner, you consistently advocate the value of embracing the lessons offered by both winning and losing in the sports arena, and how doing so provides the foundation of a person, regardless of their age, to achieve the best version of themselves. Earlier today, this will be last week, you took a call from a gentleman who was a member of a team at a warehouse who, in an inspiring manner, emphasized the importance of teamwork and communication in his occupation and how his experience playing sport taught him the value of these traits. Believing in team, adopting a positive attitude, communicating, and unequivocally believing in team members, be it on the floor of a warehouse, the executive floor of a multinational corporation, or the field of a Super Bowl champion, it's critical hold true to these values. Your show does an amazing job of illustrating this importance. A few months ago, I read an interview of pro surfer Sage Erickson. In the piece, Sage offers a quote of what I believe is one of the most insightful pieces of advice regarding the value of failing and the importance of sport as a whole. She says, losing is when I learn the most sometimes because I'm in such a low state. If you're not always winning, then there is work to be done. I don't strive for perfection, but I do want to be the best version of myself. I think that's a great quote. Sports, with respect to what it asks of us, the reverence for the game we play, and the elements in which we are occasionally asked to perform, provides a tangible platform for us to achieve the best version of ourselves. Sometimes this serves a precursor to achieving perfection. However, many times it does not. Many times we fail. But it's in the failure where we locate the essence of our character in its purest form. Failure is what lets us know that we can be better at embrace the need for improvement and to do so with unadulterated joy. Embracing the failure and wanting to improve, not to be perfect, not even to win, but to become the best version of ourselves as human beings is why sport is so wonderful and inextricably necessary for the betterment of society. Really dig your show. I thought that was obviously a wonderful email, and I think it hit it on the head. How do we fail? How do we deal with it? So I'd like to get some calls on conversation going with you today. I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. How do you teach your team, your athletes, how to lose, how to handle failure, 
What do they learn from it? How do you grow from it? How do you overcome? How do you get better? If you're an athlete and you have failed, you have lost, how did you feel? How did you bounce back? What did you do to improve? How do you get better? And I'd like to hear from you. Let's get some conversation going about this because I think this is a really important conversation if you if you play sports, if you coach, and especially if you coach kids and young people. How does losing motivate you? How does it challenge you? How do you grow from it? How do you get better? What do you do when you lose? Do you get down in the dumps? Do you feel depressed? Do you lose your perspective? Do you get motivated? Do you get challenged? Do you get hungry? Because if you play a sport, and I don't care if it's tennis, if it's soccer, if it's swimming, bowling, volleyball, football, baseball, basketball, that doesn't matter. Golf. Tiddlywinks. You're not always going to come in first place. So when you don't, and you have failed, you have lost, what do you learn from that? How do you get better? The Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl this year. Last year they lost in the AFC Championship game at home in overtime. Do you think they learned from that loss? Listening to quotes in interviews with players on the team? Yes, I do. I think they learned a lot. I think it challenged them to get better. They didn't like the way they felt, obviously, from that. Losing isn't fun. To quote a coach I once worked with, Doc, losing just plainly just sucks. There's nothing good about it. But you've got to grow and learn. So I want to hear from you if you're a coach and your team, your athletes have lost, have failed. What do you tell them? How do you motivate them to get better, to grow, to get better, to improve in what they're doing? Or do you get mad at them? Do you insult them and degrade them? If you're an athlete and you've screwed up or lost, do you have a coach who gets angry at you because you screwed up? And how does that affect you psychologically, emotionally, spiritually? What does it do to you? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're an athlete. When you lose, when you fail, it doesn't have to be in sports, it can be in anything. How do you overcome it? How do you grow from it? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio.
Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week, and today's topic is this. How do you handle losing? How do you coach it? How do you respond to it? How do you grow from it? If you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent, when your son or daughter loses a game, their team loses, you get in the car driving home, they're crying, they're upset. What do you say to them? How do you help them get better? How do you help them grow? I've seen too many kids, and I mean kids in my office, who come in 
and tell me that when they lose, when they fail, when they screw up, their coach gets angry at them. I've shared a story in this show about a young lady I've worked with who's a softball player. She's an eighth grader. And last summer, she got two doubles, her first two at-bats. She's the best hitter on her team. Then she made an error at first base. When she made the error, the coach kicked the bucket he was sitting on, called timeout, took her out of the game, stuck her at the end of the bench, glared at her, wouldn't really talk to her, and got mad at her for screwing up. She was down there confused, upset, crying a little bit, didn't want him to see it, didn't understand it. Her parents were furious. Why'd you take her out of the game? They didn't ask him at the time because you don't go talk to a coach at that point. And after the game, the dad, who was pretty upset, didn't say anything, but called the coach the next day and said, look, we got to talk. And the coach basically just said, look, you know what? She can't make mistakes like that. And he said, my daughter is in eighth grade, however old she was, I think 14. She's going to make mistakes. And your job is to help her overcome that, not to berate her and take her out of the game because she made a mistake. After two more games, the season ended and they're longer on that, no longer on that team, which is probably the best thing they could have done because that's not a coach I'd want coaching my kids. You're going to screw up. You're going to make a mistake. So you get mad at him? He needs to be coming to my office more than she does. All right. If you've lost, if you've failed, if you screwed up in your sport as an athlete, how did you learn from it or did you? Did your coach berate you and insult you and get angry at you? Or did you have a coach that supported you and helped you overcome that? And if you're a coach, when you're coaching your team and they screw up, they fail, you lose, what do you say to them? See, because to me, I think that's more important than when you win. It's like the email I read earlier in the show. You're going to make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. You know, I, I just had a gymnast, young gymnast in my office yesterday. First time I've met with her and her mom. And she's afraid to talk to her coaches because she said they yell at her when she screws up. So she's intimidated by them. She's 16. So I said, we've got some work to do, young lady. I said, you need to learn how to talk to your coaches. Well, it's sort of scary to talk to them. Why is it scary to talk to them? Because they get mad at me. Well, you need, why are they mad at you? What are they angry at you about? Because you fell off the balance beam? Because you didn't stick your vault? Okay, are they mad at you? Are they upset at you because you're not paying attention? What's it about? You need to talk to them. Well, I'm scared to say something. Well, you're going to have to learn to do that, and we're going to work on that. All right, Blake, you played football for a long time. You didn't win every game, I'm assuming, right? Or did you? Uh, I was pretty successful, but no, I did not win every game. Okay, so when you lost, what did your coach say to you? How did you handle that? Did did they get? Did the coaches get angry? Did they get frustrated? Did they challenge you? How did how did they handle losing? And how did you handle it? Well, so for playing so long, I had many different coaches, which I liked because you get to see how each coach handles a loss. I didn't just have one high school coach. You know, I had high school coach, junior college coach, um, um, and a Division One college coach. So I had a multitude of coaches while I was in the league. So it's interesting to see how each coach handles it. And so when we would lose, there'd be two things I'd do. One, 
like you said, I mean, I was ticked off, man, because I am such a competitor, just like I'm sure you are. I hated losing. I hated losing more than I loved winning just because I never wanted to fail. So wait, wait, wait. You hated losing more than you loved winning. Yes, 100%. Okay. Why? Because it means that something was incomplete. Something I could have done wasn't done. And to know that I left something out on the field or to know that I didn't meet a certain standard that I held myself to bothered me deeply. But I never let a single loss carry into the next competition because just like um, I think you'd mentioned earlier, you can always take away, or in that email that you just read from that you know, from that gentleman, you can always take something into your into your next event, into your next um, game, something that you took away from that loss that you can do better at, something that you can uh, perform better at, something that you can improve on that maybe you didn't even realize was a problem until you failed, and you wouldn't have realized that until you failed. So, did you ever have a coach who got on you about screwing up? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. I, I had very uh, very left and right experiences. I had a coach who wasn't very good at explaining what exactly you did wrong. He just wanted you to know that you're wrong and to do better, but he wouldn't really elaborate. And then I had um, a really good coach by the name of James Colsey, who was my uh, DB back or my defensive back coach at Austin or at uh, Coffeeville Community College, and he was great because he'd be the first one to let you know you messed up. And he'd be the first one to pick you back up and pat you on the butt and tell you, hey, this is what we're going to do to get you better. We shouldn't make that mistake again. You know, you've heard me talk a lot about our shows growing. I'm on radio stations coast to coast now, over 11. And I'm trying to do more. So I've created the Sportsmanship Foundation. It's a Kansas nonprofit corporation that educates athletes, coaches, parents, and officials about the mental side of sports for the purpose of improving sports performances and the lives of athletes of all ages and skill levels. If you want to help me, educate the public, because that's what this show's about. Look on my website, winnersunlimited.com. Click on the Sportsmanship Foundation and make a donation. It's a 501c3. It's a charitable donation. Trying to grow this show, I want it to be on coast to coast all over the country. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're talking about coaching, losing, and failure, how you overcome it. Give me a call and let's talk. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Hey, Grandma, what's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? 
I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello everybody, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs and welcome to our show from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week, and today's topic is this. How do you handle losing? How do you coach failure? How do you overcome it? And I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach, and your team or the athletes you're coaching lose, they fail, they screw up, how do you coach them? through that do you get angry at them do you encourage them do you ignore them do you speak to them what do you do I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach and get your feedback on what you do 
if you have played sports, and you know, it doesn't even have to be sport. If, if you failed or screwed up at anything, how do you learn from that? You know, I, I love it when, when we talk about this topic. You know, you hear stories all the time about coaches yelling at kids. And I get it in my office from my clients. Coaches who yell at kids because they made a mistake. They struck out. They missed a shot. They double faulted. They'll, they'll, they, they, they screwed up. Why? Because it's the coach's ego. It's not about the kids. It's about the coach. They're angry at the kids. Well, do you do it on purpose? Well, coach, I screwed up just to tick you off. I struck out because I wanted to hear you yell at me. So about a month or so ago, we had a caller on this show when I was talking about what's the difference between mental abuse and mental toughness. And this gentleman called up and said, we live in the snowflake era. We, are, we, we don't push kids to be tough. And I said, there's some validity to that. We don't push kids to be tough. But then how hard do you push them to be tough to where then it becomes abusive? And we had a pretty spirited conversation by the end of that segment, which he was on the whole time. He sort of changed his tune because it ended up he'd been verbally abused when he was a kid. And so he was sort of defensive about it. But by the end of the segment, he realized, you know what, I got to look in the mirror a little bit deeper at myself. I remember a playoff game a few years ago between the Packers and the Seahawks. Towards the end of the game, it was in Seattle. Green Bay was ahead, but Seattle was coming back. And Seattle kicked an onside kick. And one of Green Bay's reserve tight ends had the ball go through his hands, hit his helmet. Seattle recovered. There was about a minute and a half to go. He went to the sidelines, and the Green Bay special teams coach ripped off his headset went over and was screaming at this guy's face, just screaming. He had to be restrained and pulled away by a couple other players. Well, this player was sitting there. His head was down. He was obviously bummed. And so what was being accomplished by being screamed to yell that? I mean, do you think he did that on purpose? Well, I purposely let it go through my hands and hit my helmet just so we'd lose the game. I mean, yeah, I get it. The special teams coaches tick because he expects them to get that, but... That's what you do. And several players came over, pushed the coach aside, and were trying to support the guy because guess what? He was out there for several more plays. So where do you think his head was at with a minute and a half to go playing more in the game when the coach is degrading him? Not in a good place. All right, Blake, you've had a coach that has gotten angry at you, right? Yeah. What well, happened? Probably multiple coaches, let's be honest. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, so we, this was back in high school. Um, I think when I was either, uh, I think it was a sophomore, and uh, we had a a big game against Gardner Edgerton, and there was a formation that I was in uh, called Tiger, and um, what what we do is we have a, the head coach is uh, or the offensive coordinator was calling the plays, and then we have a assistant coach who's supposed to be lining up all the um, different packages that we have different formations, different receivers. So he'll give you an alert um, to the, either Tiger or Wolf or whatever formation we have. Well, he was not giving the alerts, and I 
looked at the squad out on the field and I was like, I, I'm pretty sure I'm in on this formation. Coach, am I in on this formation right here? And uh, he was telling me no, he was telling me no, so on the sideline. Well, the next thing I know, the offensive coordinator's yelling, where's Schneider's at? Where's Schneider's at? Get his butt in there. So I sprint out onto the field, don't know the play. Nobody is gonna. Nobody on the field communicated the, communicated the play to me. Uh, and it eventually ended up in just a, a, a dud of a play. It was all over the place because I didn't know what route I was running or if I was run blocking or what the play was. So eventually what happens is I come back to the sideline and I'm kind of looking at my assistant coach like, I, I thought you were supposed to let me know what was going on. You know, I, I'm standing right here next to you. I didn't hear anything. You told me to stand on the sideline. The offensive coordinator comes over to me and I mean, he's livid. And I'm kind of standing back behind the coach and another player. And I mean, he lurches over both of these guys to uh, give me more than a love tap on the head. And I mean... I've played a lot of sports, kind of like you said. I, I was I probably back when you could get away with a little bit more of yelling with people. And uh, it, in my mind, it was not something that I was comfortable with because I had never experienced something like that. I knew when a line had been crossed. And so I was very kind of taken aback. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that that coach just did that. You know what I mean? And So, and, what, did, so what did you do? Well, I... I was a very emotional player, so I was pretty ticked off. So I went straight to the water cooler, tried to get some, tried to just kind of remove myself from the situation because I was very heated at the time. And, and honestly, I was upset, you know, because it, it felt, it, it was just more of something that hadn't, it wasn't like just getting yelled at. I mean, I, I can get yelled at, but it, it felt way more personal than that at the time. So I just tried to remove myself focus on the rest of the game. It's like, hey, if I'm in on any of these other plays, or I was a big special teams guy as well, so I said, you know what? The rest of my focus is going to go every play you're on special teams, you're just going to go 100% balls to the walls. But it was it was uh, definitely, it, I, it was on my mind the whole game. So and, did you, okay, so here here's my question to you. So after the game was over, everything's calmed down, did you go talk to the coach about this? So I actually talked to another coach about it, who knew that I was upset. And then the next day I went and talked to And what did he himself. say to you? Did he apologize? Uh no, actually he did not. Um Well see, okay, see Yeah. So in my opinion that's where he's wrong. Because I look, in in the heat of the battle, you know, when you're especially in a in a team sport, football, soccer, basketball, emotions are going to fly. They're going to be there. I don't, I'm not sitting there saying, oh, come on, uh, you have to be calm. No, no, I get it. But, and, and people are going to say things sometimes you regret. But then it's about afterwards discussing it, working through it. And the problem that a lot of coaches have is their egos get in the way and they don't want to admit they failed or screwed up. And then consequently those athletes get hurt by that. Then they're intimidated. Then they don't want to come back. It's like this gymnast that I mentioned I saw yesterday. The coaches get angry at her. Well, instead of her talking with the coach, say, listen, coach, when you get angry at me, it's not helping me. I, I get it. You're upset. But let's talk about it and help me get through this rather than being angry. And what good does getting anger angry at an athlete who's making a mistake do? OK, some coach are going to say, well, it's going to challenge him to focus harder and be better. Maybe it will. But that's where a coach has to be a good psychologist. There are some athletes you can get on. There are some athletes you can get angry at. There are some athletes you can you can challenge like that, 
but you need to know them personally. And what I see is too many coaches too often will get angry when somebody screws up. And and you know what? I get it. But then do they talk about it after? I know of I know of a lot of coaches who'll get angry at their athletes, but after the game they talk about it and they work through it. So they but the athletes are okay about that because they know the coach is doing it because they care about them. The problem is when at, when coaches get angry and will yell or scream or degrade an athlete, okay, and then they don't talk about it and they're mad because you know they screwed it. And especially when you you know I'm talking about especially with kids younger than high school. Okay, I think it it doesn't work. It just doesn't work, except in, in in special cases. And I think most of the time, you know, I'm not sitting there. You have to. Oh, it's okay. I'm not saying don't say that. Oh, it's okay. You struck out. Don't worry about. It. I'm not saying that. Say, okay, son, what do you think you did right there? You know, the next day of practice, let's talk about yesterday when you struck out that last at bat. What were you thinking? Where was your focus? Where was your mindset? Let's talk about that. Let's work through it so that next time you'll be able to do better. But getting angry at a kid because they made a mistake in a sport when they're trying doesn't do any good. Unless, unless you can tell me as a coach that it has. Well, and I was going to say that nothing, you know, that is one instance that I will always remember. But that this coach and me actually now have a great relationship. We've gone, I mean, we've never kind of re gone back and rehashed that yeah, incident. Yeah, but you just, how old are you now? I'm 25. And when was that? I was 15. So that's 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. And see, you're still remembering it. And exactly. that's telling us why that type of stuff doesn't work. All right, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're talking about how you deal with failure and losing. I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach or an athlete and you screwed up or failed, how'd you overcome it? This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program 
is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week, and today's topic is this. How do you handle losing? How do you coach losing and failure? So we've been talking about it. Blake and I have been discussing it. So here's the deal. When you do get upset at one of your athletes, Maybe you say something you shouldn't have said, you regret later, then what? how do you respond to it? How do you react to it? I think the next day at practice, the next time you have practice, sit down and talk with them about it. And discuss with them maybe why you got upset. And be human. Show your human side. I think showing your human side is healthy. If you're a coach, you know what? You're, it, it, I gave a talk the other day and I started it off about it's about mental health and athletes and I said you know what athletes are people they screw up they make mistakes that's what happens they're not superhuman you know we look at we look at professional athletes especially Olympians even college athletes sometimes as different than everybody else because they're so athletically gifted but they're still people. They still have feelings. They don't like it when they fail. They don't like it when they screw up. They don't like it when they lose. And why is that? Because they're human. But here's the key thing. What do you learn when you fail? And I read an email I received last week after the show about how failure is the greatest lesson in sports, and, and I think it is. Because we're going to screw up, especially in sports, at something. And if you care, you're not going to like it. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be down in the dumps. So the key thing is, what do you learn about yourself? Do you get depressed? Do you get upset? Do you get then more anxious in the future? Or does that motivate you and challenge you to concentrate better, to overlook the negatives and try to grow? I think if you look at 
athletes who have overcome adversity and teams that have overcome adversity, they do that. Let's go back two years ago in the, in the NCAA basketball tournament. The number one seed, Virginia, lost to a 16 seed, Maryland, Baltimore County, in the first round. First time a number one seed lost to a 16 seed. And what happened a year ago? Virginia won the NCAA championship. You've got to look at that and ask yourself, <clears throat> what did they learn? What did the coaching staff say to those athletes? How did they utilize that to motivate themselves to, to not let that happen again? I mean, imagine the disappointment if you're the number one seed in a tournament and you lose to the lowest seed in the tournament. Obviously, an upset, not expected to happen, never happened before. The expectations that you had for yourself flush down the toilet, they're gone. How do you react to that? I mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs a year ago lost in the AFC Championship game in overtime to New England. Don't think that didn't sit uncomfortably with those players who played on the team again this year because they went on to win the Super Bowl. So I think there's two perfect examples of where you failed but you grew from it and learned from it. And the coaching staffs on both those teams probably did a great job with their athletes of helping them to grow from those situations. And see, that's where, to me, losing and failing can be a motivator, it can be a positive, it can be a, a growth situation. But unfortunately, too often, of course, in my practice, that's what I do is I deal with people who come in with these issues. You get coaches who get upset at their athletes for failing. And then the athlete takes it personally, and then they internalize it. They then get depressed, they then get anxious, and then the next game or competition, they're out there, instead of focusing on what they have to do, they're worried about what the coach is gonna say or how the coach is gonna react. And then that affects the way they perform, and then everything falls apart. So I think the good thing to do as a coach you know, I, I mentioned, and some people say it's sort of facetious, but check your ego at the door. When you go into a competition, ask yourself, why am I here? What am I here to do? You know, a coach's job is to teach, to guide. A coaches, a co good coaches are good psychologists. They understand their athletes. They take the time to get to know them. A good coach will take the time to understand how much can I push someone and where do I not need to not push someone? What's the difference between challenging some kids and not challenging others? Because there are some athletes you can challenge and push harder than others, but you need to know them. You need to know their motivations, their goals. And that's where getting to know them and their, and their, and their families also, their parents. Why are they here? What do they want to accomplish? Where do they want to go? Are they here to have fun and just play in the team? Are they here because they want to improve and get better and, and move up the ladder? You know, I, I like to, to use this, this statement a lot. College athletes today are survivors because they have survived 
the world of youth sports. When I gave this speech the other day, I asked the question, how many of you think youth sports is screwed up and almost everybody raised their hands? How many think youth sports has problems because of parents and coaches? Almost everybody raised their hands. Because youth sports has gotten, it's a huge business now. Somebody's making money on it. And the problem is, because of that, there's pressure to win, pressure to be the best. The purpose of this show is to help you understand these differences and to work through it. You you don't have to agree with what I'm saying. These are just my opinions. But I think winning is about growing, getting better, and improving. And I think losing is about when you give up and fail and don't try. But losing is the greatest lesson because when you lose, you can either do one of two things. You can get depressed and down the dumps about it, or you can get motivated and challenged to do better. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. Our show's on a number of stations around the country. Love to hear your feedback. Love to hear from you. If you have a comment about what we talk about on this show, you can reach me several ways. My office number is 816-561-5556. My email is drj at winnersunlimited.com. My website's winnersunlimited.com. Check it out and look at our uh, information about the Sportsmanship Foundation on there, about donating to help us get this show to grow. You can follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych, at drjsportpsych. Love to hear your feedback. If there's a topic you'd like me to talk about on this show, love to hear from you about that. Once again, my office number is 816-561-5556. My email is drj at winnersunlimited.com. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. Our show's being broadcast around the country in a number of cities, and our list is growing. Hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Focus on getting better, having fun, and being a good communicator. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, 
Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.